Cap is receiving dog whistles. It, uh, yeah, I bet you're excited for the we- weekend on a Tuesday. I am. I'm because le- I'm leaving Thursday. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah. Sure, you want to leave now? If I could get a flight, I'd be honest. <laughs> I mean, I don't think. Yeah, that's. Oh, you know what? We have not checked that. Everything good with the airlines? With this, with this, uh, uh, you mean this morning? With, yeah, with this. The I, slipping, I haven't checked the slippery conditions. I have not checked. I'll mm-hmm. look. I will look. They know the show was so bad that you're already looking forward to the weekend. I thought, I thought we're doing I'm well. Going to Florida. Yeah. Well, that'd be nice. I needed ice skates to get to the bus this morning. Oh my god! That says nothing about the show, by the way. But yeah, I'm ready for Florida. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Here's Shay Norling. Shay? All right, let's get started with shot or no shot. Many people around the league believe that Stephon Diggs has played his final game in Buffalo after another divisional round loss for the Bills. Diggs is 30 years old. He's set to make nearly $28 million against the cap next season, and the Bills are already over the cap by $44 million in 2024. Because of his contract, he likely won't need a premium draft pick to get him. They'll be happy just to offload the money. And despite the conversation around him lately, he still had over 100 catches this season for nearly 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. Shot or no shot, the Bears should trade for Stephon Diggs. No shot. No shot. Pay that kind of money for a 30-year-old wide receiver who has not played well this year? No. Hard freaking pass. It's a, it's a no shot. Uh, but if he goes someplace else to flourish, you know, good for him. We always knew that there was going to be change with Buffalo if Buffalo cannot get over the hump. If he is going to be McDermott, which we speculated on in the regular season, Josh Allen, or it's going to be Stephon Diggs. And so Stephon Diggs might be the guy that's going to be leaving. Um, because there has been a disconnect all season quietly between the offense, Josh Allen, and Stephon Diggs. So uh, do the Bears need to have a better wide receiver? Yes. Either through the drafts or free agency? Yes. But I would say no shot. If, if you think that Diggs is frustrated now, put him in a Bears uniform. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I mean, this is with Caleb Williams or Justin Fields. Correct. It's the same because... Either way, you got to get acclimated to a new system. Yeah. Whoever's there. Yeah, I have zero interest in Stephon Diggs. He just doesn't have any time for training wheels. He feels like if I get to the right team, we can be able to excel. Yeah, I, except when the quarterback hit him right in the freaking hands, that would have been a, probably a game-winning touchdown, dropped. I, we're going to get to that around the NFL because I have some thoughts on Stephon Diggs, but I also think Stephon Diggs may go to the Chiefs Mm-hmm. I, that feels like a likely landing spot. It has for a few weeks. I brought this up and around the NFL, I think, like four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think he could end up in, in Kansas City, and it's Randy Moss to the Patriots. A couple disappointing years in Oakland. Gets shipped off to New England for nothing. 
and immediately all pro season sets the record for receiving touchdowns and the Patriots go 16 and 0. Yeah, immediate upgrade with the wide receiver spot to have a shorthanded wide receiver. And again, not in that playoff spot, but a shorthanded wide receiver. A Durant to Golden State, if you will. Just adding on to what you already have as far as a good roster. I, I would be surprised if Diggs ends up with the Chiefs. Very surprised. They don't have that kind of cap room, A. And B, he's trending in the wrong direction. I would be very surprised. They can always make up the cap room with restructures and all the crap that NFL teams do to make the salary cap not real. And crypto. We watched the Rams do it for years. <laughs> They're still doing it. <laughs> I don't know how they pull this off. <laughs> with no money cap, they'll find a way to be able to pay them. They will. A Bruce Suter type deal or a Bonilla. Just pay them, pay them down the line. That's it. All right? Figure Quietly. it out. Figure it out. All right, Shay. All right. According to PFF's Brad Spielberger, Shane Waldron was the single most sought-after offensive coordinator in this cycle, and the Bears got him. That would mean either the Bears had the most attractive offensive coordinator opening, or they were the highest bidders for his services. Either way, it means they're shopping at the top shelf. That's a far cry from 2012, when the Bears and Chiefs both fired their head coaches on the same day. Chiefs hired Andy Reid four days later. Bears took two weeks to hire Mark Dressman. Shot or no shot, the Shane Waldron hiring is the confirmation we needed that business is different at Hallis Hall. Yeah, that's a shot. Yeah, that's a shot. Mm-hmm. I don't think it came down to money. I, From what I was told yesterday, the money had nothing to do with it. He was going to get paid big Wherever he went, it was not about the dollars. He sees a a unique opportunity here. Now, whether that's fixing Justin or drafting Caleb remains to be seen. What were the other options for Waldron? He had the Saints after him and the Raiders. Those are the two that we know of. It sounds like he could have had his pick of the litter, though, right? Right. Everybody wanted to talk to the guy. And now Philly fired their guy this morning, so I would imagine he would have been a candidate there as well. I wonder, uh, what's the best situation, Shay, out of those three teams we just mentioned? Bears, Raiders, Saints. Best situation for Waldron? Bears, I think. Saints have a sunk cost quarterback in Derek Carr. He, mm-hmm. just, he stinks and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. The Raiders, I don't know where they go forward from here. Like they, you I got think a coach got, on a brand new five-year deal. I think they've got the right guy in Pierce to lead the team, just roster-wise. They're in a tough spot. Devontae Adams is owed a lot of money. Max Crosby's owed a lot of money, and they don't have a quarterback. Aiden O'Connell is not the answer. I hate to ruin it for you. And if you still think it's Jimmy Garoppolo, best of luck. So, yeah, I would have taken the Bears job, too. But in terms of security, the Raiders was the best one. That's fair. Well, I just, but, and again, this is the conversation we had yesterday trying to determine, you know, did Waldron get a, a head nod of this is the direction that we're leaning? He's got the Gerard Mayo terms. Yeah, does he know, like, yeah, we're going to lean toward Caleb Williams? Yeah, or we're leaning yo, toward. You're saying in his contract? I wonder. No shot. People were, t- don't forget, before Pete Carroll got fired, people were talking, Carmen was talking about Shane Waldron as a potential head coach if the Bears moved on from Eberflus. We talked now about he's, it. He's taking an offensive right, coordinator he, gig. He, he, Gerard Mayo is a, a lifetime patriot. There's a big difference in a guy who's never been here. Getting it is deal? But no chance. The, I'm just making a joke. I'm, it, it is what it is. But, like, Hood bringing up the point that he got a head nod. I imagine he got a head nod at quarterback. I also, this is reckless speculation, have an inkling he got a head nod like, don't worry about security, kid. If we fire Eberflus, the job's yours. 
No chance. There's no way Poles would paint. Knowing him like I do, there's no way he painted himself in that corner. No chance. Zero. Paid him really well. Top of the market dollars. Chance to, whether it's fix Justin if they think he can be fixed, or draft Caleb Williams or Drake May. That was more intriguing. Because if the if they got blown out next year, he's still going to be one of the hottest offensive coordinator candidates. Well, what did we talk about a few weeks ago? You you paint the scenario of if the Bears would to would underachieve this upcoming season, say it's five or six wins, would they fire Eberflus? And then would the offensive coordinator be a lame duck? Well, not in this scenario. Yeah, he they, might be the next. You're, you're right. He could be the next guy. I just don't yeah. think there was any wink, wink, no chance. Yeah, because there's, I mean, I'm sure there's some assurances in some way, shape, or form that Waldron would be here for more than a year to establish with Justin, with the rookie quarterback, whomever. Because could you imagine just one and done? We've seen that around here before. Correct. So. I bet he got a multi-year contract, too. Mm-hmm. Eberflus has two years left on his deal. He got at least that. Mm-hmm. All right, Shay. Quickly, before the next shot or no shot, one Daniel N. Zetterman weighing in on an earlier question, Hoodie. The okay. great Tony Pavic's plane took off this morning. No issue. Oh, okay. There you All go. All right, good. Tony, so, Tony Pavic is a good man. Yes. great he is. The great Tony Pavic. It's the only way I know him. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great guy. All right, so everything's good with the flights. That's good. Uh, all right, the Roscoe Village rat hole has become a viral sensation over the weekend. Literally a rodent-shaped imprint in the concrete in Roscoe Village. Mm-hmm. There have been engagements at the rat hole. There have been weddings at the rat hole. Festivities galore. Everybody's going to the rat hole to check it out. In the Chicago Tribune this morning... I saw a list of suggestions, 10 names for the new Sox Park. One of them, Rat Hole Park. All right. Shot or no shot, the new Sox Park should be called Rat Hole Park. (sighs) No shot. That's a shame. Right here in the home of the Sox, ESPN 1000. I think it's super cool that if they get a new stadium in that location and they build it up around it, look, it's going to take a long time to build. It's not like you blink and go, oh, wow. The lady from Bewitch just put a brand new uh, stadium there. Mm -hmm. But it will be super, super cool. And I think it will be a huge thing for the franchise. So clearly, Shay, every time I see this, this is the city putting down fresh, you know, put on a a fresh pavement, you know, fresh concrete, and a rat jumped in it. Yes. And made his own walk of fame. And I believe the city patched it up and the residents of the area uncovered the rodent imprint yeah, because they didn't want the rat hole covered. <laughs> Crazy. What? <laughs> Bonus shot or no shot. This is becoming the greatest Chicago landmark. The oh, rat right. hole. Oh, oh, that's great. <laughs> wow. That's what you want to be it's, known for. It's like the bean. We got the bean and we got the rat hole. That is just so ridiculous. That is. That is it. Dumbest thing I've ever seen. Someone covered that. Well, you can't cover it up because now it's a must-see. Correct. People want to see it. I mean, even though you can see it on your computer, people want to be able to see it live. They will cover that thing up. By the way, Cap, I'm sure. I, I know it's famous here in Roscoe Village. I, I would imagine that there's other rat holes like this someplace in the city. Alleys, someplace. Somewhere. Not in a, like a, 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 with a lot of foot traffic. But I would imagine a back alley someplace that they, we got the same thing. Freshly paved. 
Yeah, and then yeah. a rat just jumps in it and is just like, hey, I'm on the walk of fame. Right. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. But it's but it, it's a thing now. You know what, Cap? Better this, this rat hole, than some of the other stuff that's going on around here. At least yes. that we could focus on that. That we can have a laugh with. Yes. Yes. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> at least we can look at that and just say, that's ridiculous. Finally, something that we could do that with. Crazy. Nashville doesn't have a rat hole. How could they leave? You got to <laughs> stay here in Chicago. We got a rat hole. We got it, the bean. I think it's super Sears cool Tower. that they're going to get a st- I think it's going to happen. I keep hearing this. Like, this is more reality than people realize. Socks? Yeah. In the, in the 76? That's the, in that same area? Yeah. Is it 78? Se- the 78? Yeah. 78, yeah. yeah. That's what I keep hearing. Good. Now, where the money's coming from, I don't pay players. I'm going to save you for the stadium. Dick York or Dick Sargent? Which one did you prefer? Dick York. Dick York or yes. Dick Sargent? Okay. Yes. <laughs> and Bewitched. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. Bewitched was great. It was. It was. Sports time? Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, what was the name of the actress who played the lady? Uh, Jeannie. That's Here's a Shane different Norlin. show. <laughs> At some point, I want to take <laughs> you through Elizabeth Montgomery. Yeah. At some point, I'd like to take you through the ten suggested names for Sox Park, okay. and oh, we no. can see which ones we think are the best. Oh no! Oh no! Uh, last wow. night was a monster oh, scoring no. night in the NBA. Two franchise scoring records were set last night on mm-hmm. the 18th anniversary of Kobe's 81 points. Joel Embiid scored 70 for the 76ers, and. Carl Anthony Towns put up 62 for the Timberwolves in a loss. Shot or no shot, nobody will ever score 81 in a game again. Uh, that's a no shot. A no somebody shot. will. In this league. Somebody absolutely will score 81. Yeah, absolutely. In this league, absolutely. When it's about offense, more so than anything else, uh, there, that is a shot. Uh, a little side note regarding this. So, Cap, it was just a great night. And I, I want to tell you why it was a great night in the NBA. Because it was the spirit of Kobe Bryant. You don't think that the high scores or the teams in the league knew that this is the anniversary of Kobe's 81 against Jalen Rose? I mean, against Toronto? I remember that. <laughs> did, he, did he score them all against Jalen Rose? A lot. At the, uh, pr- a lot, pretty much, right? It's, it still haunts Jalen today, as a matter of fact. But he was part of history. He's the guy that didn't have his hand up. And Kobe scored all those points. But, Cap, when you take a look at everything that happened in the league last night with Embiid 70 and Carl Anthony Towns 62, Durant 43 against the Bulls and a game winner against the Bulls last night. You have Tatum with 39, Wimbenyama with 33, Luka with 33, Giannis with 31 points. So, every, so the spirit of Kobe was alive last night. This is the anniversary of him scoring all those points. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to put a player in position to score all these points. But the one that stands out the most, Embiid 70 was great. 70 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists. That's a monster. Monster. Monster game. But Carl Anthony Towns is a different story. So, as Shea laid out, that was in a loss, the 62 points. 128 to 125, the Hornets win. That was their 10th victory of the season. That's and correct. It's, and it's January 23rd. They're terrible. But the point is, though, is that with Carl Anthony Towns, even though those numbers are impressive, the head coach Chris Finch of the... Uh, Timberwolves had a hard time with how poorly the Timberwolves played defensively. It was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball. Um, all the way through the game, 
So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump. So this is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach. You know the problem with this game? First of all, you lost against the, the Hornets. Here's a guy that scored 62 points, had eight rebounds, two assists. And do you know, in 38 minutes, do you know that he had to be subbed out in the fourth quarter, offense, defense? Yeah. Come on out. They play defense. Get him back in. Because he refuses to guard people. That's embarrassing. If he scored 62, he might have given up 75 in that game. Now, right. i got to go back and watch this afternoon exactly the ebb and flow of that game to see how bad that was in the second half. The same second half, in the first half, Anthony Edwards didn't even score. You know that about this game, too? Didn't even score. They fed Towns to try to beat the Hornets, and the Hornets came up and, and bit them in the ass. You score 62, and you get subbed out in the fourth quarter. Subbed out because Finch had enough. He's like, you know what? You guys are feeding them, and we're still playing this kind of defense. That's where it's the other side of the game, Cap. It's more than just scoring points. You've got to be able to guard someone at some point, and they took it for granted. He was pissed. Oh, God. I read the whole article, and they said he his quotes are unbelievably damning. You guys disgraced the game tonight. You disrespected basketball. When's, when's your last time you saw that from any NBA coach today? That was, that was commonplace back in the day, where you could just speak openly about that. Finch has some assurances that he's going to be around at least for another year. Correct. He must, A-Rod must love him enough and to they, keep him around. They're the number one team out west. No question. Oh, they're playing great basketball. Great. But they, you must have some assurances because coaches don't speak that way anymore. He was furious. Because Good for him, man. Well, I like coaches that are honest like that. Well, Kev, it's also embarrassing. You know, like you're going to force feed your big, and then you can't play him the entire game. He only played 38 minutes because he can't play defense. I'm just here to score, coach. Then you got to sub him out, and then you lost the game? He was also 2 for 10 in the fourth quarter. Like, he started just chucking. He was trying to get to 80. Damn. Yeah. So you just didn't care about that game. Embarrassing. So Embarrassing. That's the thing. I mean, great night for the NBA to honor Kobe, but Towns went about it the wrong way. He scored, but would you still have to, But if you want to really honor Kobe's legacy, guard on the other end because he was a hell of a defender, too. Correct. He tried to be what Michael was. He wasn't Michael, but he was close. Why he just didn't say that, the coach? But, but, but why? That he should have been, He's trying to be like Michael? or <laughs> No, just the whole uh, performance by Towns. Man, he, just, it was, he said what he had to say. He didn't go. You up, didn't like that he was critical, Jay Moore? No, I did, but you putting it out on everybody when, you know, you should just, you know, say what you're going to say. Yeah, but the whole team was terrible defensively. Terrible. Yeah. Do you, so, Jay Moore, you're saying that it should have been, hey, Carl Anthony Towns disrespected the game, not everybody else, right? I mean, he scored 62, but still, you got a guard. Terrible down That's the true. stretch, the whole team defensively. Man. That's horrible. That's it. Albert Breer will join us at 8.35, but first, around the NFL. Nick Foles sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and he pulls out. This is a really thickly built guy. I mean, what's the answer you're looking for on these things here? Time to go around the NFL right here on Cap and Jay Hood. And for more, here's Shay Norling. Shay? I will start in Detroit. A lot of people are very angry at Todd Bowles, A, for going for two down eight, and B, for not calling a timeout at the end of the game. The timeout at the end of the game 
I mean, you've got a minute 30 left. You have to get the ball back, score, return, recover an onside kick, score again, and convert a two-point basically twice if the Lions kick a field goal at the end of their possession. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What was the final score? What was the final score? It was uh, 31-23. So... But the Lions were in field goal range at the time that they wanted Bulls to take the timeout. Okay, so that's why you would have needed the onside kick. Right. Because I thought it was a one-score game plus the two-point. No, because if the Lions kick it, then you have to go down the field. Then you're down 10. Right. You need to get the ball back twice. It's just... The difficulty of actually doing it, I don't blame him for not calling the timeout. The two-point conversion attempt. Stupid. Objectively the correct call. No, stupid. Dumb. That's when you're wedded to freaking analytics. And it's correct. It's stupid. You kick the extra point, you get the ball back potentially, and you go down and you make a a, a, a touchdown and an extra point, and we're going to overtime. You don't roll the dice. So heaven forbid, if I get the first two-pointer, now I can try and win the game. Well, guess what? You didn't. It's dumb. It's simple math, man. You need two touchdowns either way. No matter what, you need to score twice. You have a better than 50% chance of converting it at least once. If you get it on the first, you can win the game without going to overtime. It's easy. It's the easiest decision you can make. Yeah, I think it's stupid. I kicked the extra point. My team is playing them nose to nose. We're going to overtime. I'm not rolling the dice on two-point conversions. What if you miss the extra point? They're not guarantees the anymore. The odds of me missing the extra point versus making the two are overwhelmingly in my favor. Not really. Making both twos or making one of two twos, you probably have as good a chance of doing that as you do of hitting two no extra shot. points. No shot. I, I hate the over-reliance on analytics in sports. Well, hate it with a passion. Then you better stop watching the NFL because more coaches than ever are doing it. It's up yeah. to a 30% rate, down eight. 30% of the time, coaches are going for two. And Cap's favorite coach in the league, Dan Campbell, 1,000% goes for two in that situation. I, I hate the over-reliance on analytics. Analytics can, have a role. Yeah, they do. You could say that, Cap, but, I mean, this is where we are in 2024. The, the great game that we love is heavily relying on analytics and someone coming from downstairs or upstairs to the dugout and saying, here's your lineup based on analytics. That ain't baseball to no, me. No, I hate that but, too. But it's, just, but it's part of the game. It's, it's, it's part of it. Yeah, it's part of it. So uh, either way, they were not able to get the job done. But because it's so heavily an- analytics, two was probably the right call, Cap. Probably the right call because this is where the game is today. They've taken the gut feeling out of it. Yeah. The only way that you can be able to get around that is your college basketball. There's no analytics person that's running down the stairs saying, this is what you got to do in this situation, because ultimately that's your assistant coaches and you. Gut feeling. This is the, our tendency. This is what we practice. This is what we're going to do. And again, analytics have a role. But I remember having this discussion with Theo, and he said, boy, I have this reputation because I went to Yale that I'm all analytics. He goes, we're more than 50% not analytics. Gut feel and what our eyes tell us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate the over-reliance. That's what it is. The analytics say you do the F the analytics. What does my gut tell me? I'm an NFL head coach. What does my gut say? Not some guy in my headset. I know, but this is, they have an entire department dedicated to that. People getting paid to to do that. To the point where it's out of the coach's hands. It's out of Major League Baseball manager's hands now because of the whole department. Yeah, I've had managers tell me. They hand me my lineup. 
How come you're playing that guy in the three hole? Because it's not my call. Yeah. What? Listen, we had this conversation years ago about the Tampa Bay Rays. Kevin Cash does nothing. Making decisions based on, okay, this is a 100-pitch limit. Well, the guy's, he's sailing along. Nope. And Liv says you got to get him out of there after five innings. What about how he's sailing along? He says he feels fine. Is this what it is today, Cap? You can't fight City Hall. This is what it is. Hate it. All right, Shay. But, but, but you're talking about Blake Snell in the postseason. In yeah, the yeah. World Series. With that situation, I thought was wrong. And Kevin Cash, pitching decisions have been atrocious for a long time. He but- doesn't make them, Shay. That's the other thing. That guy's got to sit there and hear people like you go, horrible pitching. Uh, I don't make the pitching decisions. He well, does what not. What are you there for? All right. He's got to run the clubhouse. Todd Bulls, at least I know, made the decision on the two-point. I'm not sure he did. There's nobody. Uh, come on. That's like saying Lovey Smith didn't have to make the two-point when they beat the Colts. You're telling me there's no chance that a guy in his headset said you're going for two. You're telling me for sure. You in know the that. NFL, no. Because I think Todd Bowles, if his gut really said kick it, they would have kicked it. I'm Things not sure about way that. way too quickly in the NFL. I had a very well-known manager who worked in this town tell me, dude, they come down with a, with a sheet. There's your lineup yeah. today. Was that an NFL head coach? I think I, I would imagine there's someone upstairs that says, "Coach, you can go for two here," and it is ultimately up to the man, to the head coach. There, I'm sure there's the option. Someone upstairs has the option for the coach. You can go for two here. When, when they did the game seven analytics meeting, Theo and Jed and Joe, yeah, they told him how you're going to use your bullpen. Here's what you're doing, and then he went against them, and it almost cost them. Theo was incensed. We told you you're not bringing John Lester in. They told him, not the manager, the bosses. Here's how you're using him. They were furious. Yes. I get it. People have no idea. Why is David Ross batting Ian Happ there? But Madden still made the decision. Madden still did it. He got yelled at. He got chewed out. Said the end of Glorious Bastards. You'll be shot for this. Eh, I'll get chewed out. I've been chewed out before. Well, he it's he's Joe Madden. Most managers don't. I'd say I never Ke- saw that. Kevin Cash, unless he's being held at gunpoint with somebody telling him get Blake Snell out of the game, I'm putting the decision on him. I don't care. All right, moving on. Around MLB. Here's Shay Norley. Shay. Exactly. The Lions are winning in San Francisco. That is an overreaction from me today. Debo Samuel is either out or extremely limited. Kyle Shanahan said 50-50 chance he plays. Shoulder injury does not seem great. 49ers, nobody will tell you this, they are sneaky bad against the run. 26th in the NFL by EPA in rushdowns defensively. They're not good against the run. And the Lions, if you watch those locker room videos, I'm sorry, they just have the juice. I, I'm with you. I, I've already got money on the Lions to win the game. I do. I think the Lions win. And the Super Bowl. I, that ticket I've had a long time. Uh-huh. I, but I bet it yesterday, the Lions to win the game. Uh, is it still seven? It was seven when I did. Mm-hmm. I got the number and, at seven. And I bought a half a point, so I got it at seven and a half. Mm-hmm. I like the, the Lions plus seven. San Francisco finds a way to win the ball game, though, I think, at the end. But I like Detroit plus seven for sure. What's the money line? Uh, 255. Oof. That's juicy. Brock Brock Purdy back at night again because the schedulers, for some reason, put the less interesting quarterback matchup as the primetime night game. So Brock Purdy at night, where he has struggled historically, granted short sample size, last week didn't look great till that final drive. Now you got the final drive. 
But you're not going up against Joe Barry this time. That's uh, just so I'm, I'm clear, Shay. That's two and five thirty for the yeah, games. Yeah, I think it's five thirty for the Lions. Okay, so it'll be what three thirty local. Mm-hmm. Just checking the times on that conference championship. Yeah, two and five thirty. Two o'clock for the Kansas City Baltimore game. Well, I know why the game's at five thirty San Francisco. It's West Coast. Correct. Yeah, I get it. That's why the AFC is early. All right, give us another, please. Uh, wasn't Josh Allen's fault right up until it was. I think the big mistake made by the Bills in that game against the Chiefs mm-hmm. was when Sean McDermott told his quarterback in the fourth quarter, go win the game. The three quarters before that, Josh Allen played patient. He played within the scheme. He took the checkdowns. He took the underneath throws. And then the fourth quarter happened, and he's uncorking bombs, looking for home runs. The third, second down, he had Diggs running underneath, free first down. Takes the Hail Mary home run shot for Shakir in the end zone. He wasn't doing that the entire game until his coach told him, go win. And he tried to put it all on his rocket arm instead of playing within the offense, which he had finally done such a good job of doing. What do you think? (sighs) Polarizing, isn't it? If Diggs catches the football, nobody says a word. Yeah. Josh delivered. He delivered a freaking laser that throw was incredible Mm -hmm. incredible and uh, to be clear josh allen was incredible in the game but but legacies are built in the fourth quarter of these playoff games and when you have the free first down for Diggs, look maybe part of it was you targeted Diggs eight times and he only had three catches and he just came off a huge drop maybe josh didn't have a lot of trust in his guy in that moment but you go home run for Shakir, and the throw's not quite where it needs to be, and then you're in third and long, and you can't get it done, and then it's wide right, and we know the history. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, many look at that as saying the Bills would have won if that kick is going through, and I would say that if that kick goes through and it's tied, there is a great, great possibility that Kansas City finds a way to win that ball game because, after all, it is Patrick Mahomes. Even though it's a different Chiefs team, and I know that we've talked about them and poked holes in them, Cap is still Patrick Mahomes. That's the one thing that we keep forgetting around here is that even though we thought, oh, Chiefs on the road, this will be the Bills' opportunity to go through that door, it's still Patrick Mahomes. Even if you have problems with their wide receivers, problems with some of their defense, problems with drops, it's still Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day. And you give that the best quarterback that nod. And we did not. He's so as a, good. As a show, we did not. He's so good. But now, look where they are now. Yeah. This, is not the, this doesn't feel like the same Chiefs team, but they found a way on the road to get that done. Into it's the more, AFC title. It's game. more than just a missed field goal now. If, it, if, they, if they make the field goal, I trust with 138 left, 135. Well, remember what happened last time. Last time all they needed was 13 seconds. There were four lead changes in two and a half minutes the last time those two teams played. So I'm like, they're kicking a field goal here. Chiefs got another touchdown, and the Bills might have another touchdown, and the Chiefs might have another one after that. That's (laughs) so much fun. (laughs) It's so much fun. By the way, Chiefs dogs again this weekend. Three-point underdogs in Baltimore. Has Patrick Mahomes reached LeBron James playoffs levels where it's like, if he's not favored, the line's just wrong? I think that's fair because the experience factor. Cap? He's just so ridiculous. But there's an experience factor. we got to really analyze that by the time we get to the end of the week to see where we're going with that pick. Kansas City or Baltimore. 
We go around the NFL with our guy, Albert Breer. We'll talk Bears, Waldron, and NFL news and notes. And I do have one other note. I'll give it to you now so we can get right to Albert. Tom Pelissero. The Raiders will interview Luke Getze this week in Vegas. Chicago ranked number one and number two in rushing in his two seasons as the play caller. Cap and Jay Hood, weekday morning, 7 to 10. Welcome back! Welcome, Welcome back to Cap and Jay Hood on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Hello. Football on ESPN 1000. Hello, Bert. Albert Breer. Hey, Bert. Senior NFL writer for SI.com joins Captain J. Hood. Bert's it. What? You're it, Bert. On ESPN 1000. What do you mean I'm it? We see, that's the game. I just tagged you, and you're it until you tag somebody else. Albert Breer. No, no, I'm not playing a game. I'm reading, Ernie, and I'm not it. Okay. On Chicago's Home for Sports. But Bert is it. Time to talk to our guy, Albert Breer. The best man. SI.com, Monday morning quarterback, and he's on the hotline. That be the car tire and auto hotline, Johnny. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Don't worry, call the car X-Men. Morning, Albert. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good, Albert. Thank you. Uh, Shane Waldron, the new offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. What was your initial reaction when you reported the news? Um... You know, I, I think it's like a good sign for the process they went through. Um, Shane Waldron had options. He interviewed with the Patriots. He interviewed with the Saints. He had interest from um, from the Raiders. So, um, you know, the fact that you're able to get somebody who had options, who has three years of play-calling experience, I think reflects well on, on Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles. And really, I think where the advantage was is so many teams feel it feels like they're dragging their feet now. Um, the fact that like they were able to move as fast as they did and get through the process fast, like they traveled to California to go and visit with Zach Robinson and Cliff Kingsbury, like um, the fact they were able to do to 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 kind of get going and hit the ground running and know what they want and um, and, and 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 move on one of the prime candidates out there, I think put them in position to get a guy who had multiple options, which. I mean, based on the fact that, like, I think, you know, next year is a critical year for everybody in football operations over there, um, speaks well on, 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 on all of them. Because I think, you know, anytime you, have a, anytime you have a head coach or a general manager who, you know, might be going into a, a critical year like that, it can be hard to, 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 to go and get people from the outside to come in and, and work with you. So in terms of quarterback coach, like, here's where I'm at, Albert. I've watched this film too many times as a Bears fan growing up here and living here all my life that whatever the plan is, we're going to trade for Jay Cutler. We're going to give him Devin Hester as his number one wide receiver. Great punt returner, great kick returner. He's not a number one wide receiver. Are we going to fix the offensive line? Nah, we're good enough. So are they, I, I need to know that their plan involves a great support system, whether that's fixing Justin or more likely, I saw Kuiper dropped his mark this morning, Caleb Williams at one. Yeah, and I think that that's obviously the next piece of this. Now, Shane has some experience working with quarterbacks, but would you term him like a quarterback's guy? Um, maybe not. You know, like, so, like, you know, that, that, that'd be the next part of that. And I think that's part of why when you, when you, move, when you move off of um, – off of off of Luke Getzey, you know, you also got rid of the quarterbacks coach because you want to give um, you want to give the next guy a chance to, to to bring in his own quarterbacks guy. So that's all part of it, you know. And I think 
that piece of it's going to be really important. And when you look at young quarterbacks like that have made it, you do see really good infrastructure, you know, there. Like, you know, and, um, you know, I always use the Eagles as a great example of like, you know, when Carson Wentz was really going at the beginning of his career, why was it? Well, you know, he had like three layers of quarterback infrastructure there and Doug Peterson, who played in the league. Frank Reich, who played in the league, and um, and then and John D. Filippo as his, as his position coach. So, you know, I I think that that's a that's a that's a big piece of it now. Is okay, like so Shane's in. Now who's Shane going to bring with him? And honestly, like Shane's got great results out of his quarterback, so I think that that's going to be a um, that's going to be something he's going to be able to address pretty quickly too. Um, you know, look at what he did for Geno Smith the last couple of years. I don't think anybody saw that coming. So, um, so certainly he knows what he's doing in that area. If he's not, even if you know you wouldn't consider him specifically a quarterbacks guy, because that's not the position he came up coaching. Albert, in these situations where you're looking to be an offensive coordinator or head coach, does a general manager tip their hand one way or the other from your experience to say, "Hey, by the way, you know we're going to go in this direction"? Because if I'm Shane Waldron, I'd like to know who I'm working with. Do you think that he might have the knowledge that, hey, they might go Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Justin Fields, or the direction they might be going in? Yeah, I was certainly discussing the meetings. Now, I know, um, you know, in, in, in some of these interviews that Matt Eberflus did, did defend the performance of Justin Fields. And, um, you know, I know they like him, which is not, I mean, I mean, look, like liking him and then passing on what could be a generational talent are two different things. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Um, you can like the guy and still know the best decision for the franchise is to is to go and get Caleb Williams, you know, and trade Justin Fields. And um, I do think like the decision to go interview Cliff Kingsbury, who's a good coach, um, you know, it, it, there's a side benefit to that, which is like you're going to start collecting information on how you might build an offense for Caleb Williams and start doing background work on Caleb Williams. So. Um, you know, I think it's all part of it. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's a final decision that's been made yet. And maybe it has, I don't, I, I don't have knowledge of that, but, um, I would say like, you know, I think most people you talk to think that where the bears will land is, is trading Justin Fields and drafting Caleb Williams first overall. I mean, Cap, I would want to know which way you're going. I mean, it's one thing to get another OC job, but I like to know who I'm working with. Yeah, right. But, but maybe what, he wants you know the, the input of it. Here's the other part of it too. Like, and I think most guys who go in know this. You know, um, like there's like a competitive thing there too, right? Like, so you sit down, you interview the guy, you talk with him, and you know, like you're going to interview five guys, six guys, seven guys, whatever it is. You also don't want to like tip your hand to the rest of the league what you're going to do. You know, at least not yet. And so, um, I think that that is, you know, and 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 I think you want to respect Justin too. So. I think, you know, like a lot of that, like is there's a lot of things that, 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 that go into it. Now, does that mean Shane Waldron couldn't have asked, well, who am I going to be working with before he accepted the job? I certainly think that that would have been a fair question for Shane to ask, and maybe he did, and maybe he got an answer. I'm not sure. So if you look at the available OC jobs out there, you have yeah. the OC job in Tennessee. They just hired a head coach from Cincinnati. Yeah. You have Atlanta. You have the Raiders, where the coach just got a brand new contract. So you got security there. You have the Chargers. You have the Saints. Who and the Chargers? We know for sure that the Raiders 
and the Saints and the Bears went after Waldron. And now the Eagles open this morning. The Patriots went after Waldron, too, yeah. And the Patriots. Okay, so you had your pick, basically, and many people believe he was the best candidate. So tell me from your seat, Hoodie and I talked about this earlier. Did the Bears pay the most money? Was it the chance to work with Caleb? Was it the chance to fix Justin? Or the roster's on its way up, and wink, wink, if it doesn't work, you'll be my next head coach. I don't think it was that, no. I mean, I, I don't think it was this wink, wink, you'll be my next head coach. I think it was more, um, you know, like, I think for, for, for Shane, it's, all right, I have no idea what's happening in Seattle. I, I like some of these opportunities, but none of them are perfect. Um, and if I come in and have a great year, then I'm the difference maker. And if I don't, I still have like, okay, like, well, you know, he did a really good job with Gino the last couple of years. So it's not like, it's not like this is a massive indictment on him. He just sort of jumped on a ship that was maybe all, all the, on its way down already, you know? Yep. So I think it puts him in a little bit of a different spot than like, say like a Zach Robinson, who's looking to become a coordinator for the first time, right? Like, because if you're looking to become a coordinator for the first time and it doesn't go well, then you sort of have to go back and reset, right? Like, whereas if you've been a coordinator before and it doesn't go great, well, then, you know, like, are people going to take that single year and say, yeah, that's who he is? Or are they going to look at the you know, full body of work? It's sort of like Eric Bieniemy, you know? Like, Eric Bieniemy, you know, is part of a staff that just got fired in Washington, does that mean he'll never be a coordinator again or that he's going to have a long road to getting back to being a coordinator? No, because he has all of that track record from Kansas City. I think Shane, at least, and I don't know that he thought of it this way, but I think if you were him, you could certainly see where you might think of it that way and um, you know, make decisions based on, hey, look, like you know, I, I've got a good resume already. I'm going to take a swing here. And if it works out, then it could be a path to being a head coach, but it won't be devastating if it does all right, we'll have more with Albert Brewer. We've got to talk about the conference title games. Jim Harbaugh is interviewing in San Diego or in L.A. with the Chargers again this week. That's all next with the great Albert Brewer on Cap and J. Hood on ESPN 1000. Good morning. Glad you're along for the Cap and J. Hood experience. We're here weekdays from 7 to 10 on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN. Hello. Chicago. Good morning. Albert Breer is with us every Tuesday on the Cap and J-Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Albert, from the, those that you've talked to as we get closer and closer to the draft, has anyone talked to you about Caleb Williams as far as comps are concerned? They re- Caleb Williams reminds you of blank. Has that come up in conversation? Kaleeb. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the obvious one, right? Caleb Williams is Patrick Mahomes. And oh, I have had no, I've had no less than authority. Then Cliff Kingsbury himself say that to me on the record that like that 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 is eerie the similarities between the two of them and remember he coached Mahomes and told everyone who would listen about Mahomes when Mahomes was coming out in uh, in 2017 and so he's had a year now with Caleb Williams and he says that and he would tell anybody you know like that there are a lot of similarities between what these two guys between what 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 Caleb what what um, Patrick Mahomes was in 2017, and what um, and what Caleb Williams is in 2024 doesn't mean that you know seven years from now um, that, that that Caleb Williams is going to have won two Super Bowls and 
maybe be on the precipice of a third and all of that. But that's the talent level we're talking about. Wow. Uh, okay, so Cliff Kingsbury says that. Would you be shocked if they brought him here as the quarterback coach under Shane Waldron? It might make some sense. I mean, I think the problem is, like, from a systems perspective, does does it mesh, you know? And I'm not saying it would or wouldn't, but that's something you'd have to work out, you know? Just as far as teaching it and everything else, um, you know, people who are – um, you know, ensconced in the in the, in the Shanahan McVay system are very particular about how their system sets up and how their system works and how this and that, you know, how everything kind of comes together um, and the details of it are really important. And so um, that part of it would have to be worked out, you know, um, between Cliff and Shane. Uh, but, you know, there'd certainly be some, there'd be some, there'd be some, you know, positive to that. And I don't, I, I don't know what Cliff's appetite would be to, to go to the NFL as a quarterback's coach. I know he'd like to go as a coordinator. I'm not sure um, if, you know, he'd be willing to leave USC to be a position coach in the league. That, that I'd, have to, I'd have to do a little more digging to figure that out. Albert, what was the most intriguing story over the weekend as far as the divisional round games for you? Um, well, I, I think the Niners coming back from behind, you know, um, which they hadn't done. Um, and having to win without their A game, which they haven't done a lot of, you know. Obviously, the Lions story is phenomenal. Um, you know, and the Chiefs, you know, like being able to win a game on defense, the way their defense played in the fourth quarter was outstanding. I think that got lost a little. But to me, it was like the dominance of the Ravens, you know, and just kind of a very complete football team. What you see with that group, they're able to put it together the way that they put it together. Um, they're just really, really impressive, man. Like, and I, I almost feel like, you talk to people and say they haven't been watching like what's been going on. I would argue that they may have had the most, the four most impressive wins of the regular season in the way they beat the Niners, the way they beat the Lions, the way they beat the Seahawks, and the way they beat the Dolphins. Like those four games, go back and look at those four games. Those four games were built as showdowns. Those are four really good opponents. And the Ravens took all four of those teams into deep water and drowned them. And that's sort of what happened on Saturday, too, you know. And um, I couldn't get that out of my head, you know, when I was, I was at the game in, in Buffalo. And I couldn't get that out of my head. I was like, just like, I don't know if either of these teams are going to be able to run with the, with the Ravens in Baltimore next Sunday. So we'll see what happens. Did you have your shirt on or were you like Jason Kelsey? No, I'm not. I'm not crazy like that. I, had my shirt on. Yeah, I, was, I was also I was also behind a pane of glass, although. I, I will say it was a little chilly in that press box. Like that wasn't. Um, it's it's insulated and it's warm, but it was a little chilly. So, uh, but but I made it through. I made it through. No frostbite or anything like that. He hey, meant, he looked retired, didn't he? He, he looked did. retired, enjoying life. Who, Jason Kelsey? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, you know what? Like me and a me and a buddy of mine were talking about this in the press box, and um, how many points did he score with everybody for you know going out in the parking lot and doing what he did? Oh, that was like, awesome. Like how, like honestly, like if you if you like you think about like the value of that for him, just in kind of like the way the pub the general public looks at him, you know what I mean? Like just, I mean that was just, I mean like he's going to be good at whatever he does next because he's a really smart guy and all of that. But just as far as like how people see him and everything else, like the way that he just kind of went to the game on Sunday as like a. A regular guy going to the game, you know, I think is enormously valuable for the way a lot of people look at him. Hey, man, have a great rest of your day, okay? 
All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Appreciate Albert. you. Albert Breer from SI.com and Monday Morning Quarterback. Yep, on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Tune in. Don't worry, call the Car X Tune in. You know, I, there was something I wanted to ask and we didn't have time. How come Belichick's only gotten one interview? Like, if he's the GOAT of all coaches, how come nobody else is beating his door down? Because he's not that attractive of a hire right now. Guy's 70 years old, wants to bring Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and Josh McDaniels with him wherever he goes. Because he's not the GOAT of all coaches. It's just not. He's not very attractive as a hire. People have seen this movie before. Uh, Cap, if you were running a team, vacuum, not necessarily the Bears. Who would you rather hire, Bill Belichick right now or Ben Johnson from the Lions? I would rather, wow. Which team am I at? Doesn't matter. Just in a vacuum. You're running a team. You're looking at Bill Belichick, 70 years old, bringing all his old friends. I would hire or Ben, ben Johnson. Johnson. Ben Johnson. I, I, again, Belichick goes on the list of great. He's not the all-time greatest coach. He's not. Guy's record without Tom Brady is under 500 dramatically. A lot of reaction there. Yeah. Yeah, no. He's good. He's a great coach. No one says he's not a Hall of Famer. For me, he's not number one. He's not. No one wants to just hand over the keys to someone who's 70. And by the way, the, the numbers and the championships are what they are. But no one wants to give away that kind of power. He can't just be the head coach, Cap. He's got to stick his beak in everything because that's what he's used to in, in New England. Correct. I get it. But other organizations like, no, we'll pass. We still want to be able to retain some power in our organization. In two minutes, we'll take your phone calls. There's, been, there's snowball fights in NFL games and more from the divisional weekend. That's still to come in two minutes on Cap and J. Hood.